Good morning, Ramp Church. It's a joy to be with you this morning, just taking this time, this space to give God our attention and to strengthen ourselves with his word, Um, just creating space to hear the word of God and think about the word of God actually helps us even more than what we can comprehend or realize. It's like water to our soul, strength to our frame. And um, as I've been praying for you, I am praying that this word this morning, it enlarges us as a community. It stretches us and it just brings us into even deeper understanding of who God is and what our part in his big plan is. So we are um, in this chapter on the missional life, which for those of you who might be joining for the first time, is basically about how God's big plan and purpose for making all things new involves all of us and how his plan and his purpose is not just one compartment of our life, but his plan and purposes are actually meant to be infused. His mission is meant to be infused into our whole life into the big things that are obviously about God, things like reaching the lost and praying for the sick, even down to the nitty-gritty details of our lives can be infused with releasing the purpose of God to make all things new here and now through us. So this morning, we're going to be talking about hospitality and how we can combat loneliness with God's mission of us being a hospitable people. So we're talking hospitality. And it's, it's so interesting, in Luke 14, Jesus is attending a, um, a luncheon. And he, he brings the mission and the plan and the character of God right into where the disciples sit. And he even tells the host who to invite. These little details about even how we go about in very nitty-gritty areas of our life can actually be taste of God's character, of God's plan, of God's purposes to the people around us. And he starts by telling the disciples, don't go for the seat of honor. Look for the, look for the lowest seat. Go low and let God exalt you. Let God bring you to a place of honor. Don't seek it for yourself. And then he turns to his host who's putting on this lunch. And he says in Luke 14, and he says, and when you invite people, this is is a little bit painful. Should I just read it to you? It's Luke 14. It's in um, verse 12. Now imagine this. Jesus has been invited to this luncheon. He turns to the host and he says, he turned to the host and said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, this is Luke 14, verse 12. Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Oh, here Jesus is coming in with an impossible standard for us. How is it, Jesus, that we are supposed to do this in our lives where everything seems to, as hard as we fight against it, humans' default is always going towards this self-centered, what's in it for me? And this is the message of the gospel, where the disciples look to him at one point and they're like, who can be saved? Who can do this? And Jesus replies and says, with man, it's impossible, but with God. 
all things are possible. So before we dive into that particular passage more, let's talk about what even hospitality is. Because some of you are probably about to tune me out because maybe you don't own a home and you think hospitality is just for people with homes and hospitality is for married people and the wives are supposed to be hospitable or hospitality is for rich people who have extra money in their grocery budget. But we read throughout all of the Bible that hospitality is actually a call to Christians, to Christ followers. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, if you're married or you're single, if you're in a health share situation or if you have your own home. Hospitality is a call to all those who follow Christ. Um, We'll look at a verse here in a bit in 1 Peter. I believe it's Let's see, 2 Peter verse, or 1 Peter 4, 9, where it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So what is hospitality? How can all of us as believers practice it if it's not some sort of just luxurious feast that we put on, if it's more than that? And hospitality, even the word itself, means love of strangers, Love of strangers. It's, it's, our, it's us carrying what God has done for us in loving us when we were outsiders, aliens, exiles, separate from him, and inviting us close, inviting us in. It is where we treat strangers and friends alike. It's we create these, what John Tyson calls these portals of belonging, whether it's in a taxi with an Uber driver or it's on the side of the street talking to a neighbor. It's where we are able to host and serve a person that we're looking face to face with, minister to them by giving them rest, refreshing through a listening ear, through an empathetic understanding heart. And this is so important, not just um, because we're Christ followers wanting to imitate the way that he has treated us to the world around us, but it's really important because right now there's such a, there is a pandemic, there's an epidemic of loneliness in our world. Loneliness is such a big deal in the UK that you probably already know this, but they've actually put into place a minister for loneliness Tracy Crouch, and she says, nobody should feel alone or be left with no one to turn to. Loneliness is a serious issue that affects people of all ages and backgrounds, and it is right that we tackle it head on. Loneliness, loneliness, living alone, poor social connections, they're as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And Half a million older people in the UK go at least five or six days a week without seeing or speaking to anyone at all. This is heartbreaking, isn't it? And now through, through the pandemic, through COVID, there's been further isolation. There's increased loneliness, suicide among young people especially. And how incredible that we, the people of God, have a revelation, have been personally impacted by this hospitable God who came and dwelt among us and invited us into his presence. More than others, more than just any culture. I mean, there's many different cultures represented in this beautiful city we live in. But more than other cultures, because sometimes don't we think, oh, well, that's a hospitable culture. They come from this part of the world. Or that's not so hospitable culture because they come from this part of the world. We are the people of God's kingdom. 
We should be the most hospitable, welcoming people in the world because we have experienced a warm, genuine welcome into God's family, into his presence by God himself. I want to read to you some of these scriptures about God's warm welcome to us. Because I think what is most important for us in obedience is that we press and we long to know the character and the heart of God towards us in that area. If we can see how God is hospitable and welcoming and accepting and wanting us, then that can open our eyes and compel us to be that to the world. Jesus said that he does only what he sees the Father doing. And in that, it's also this little nugget of our doing, our behavior as Christians is meant to flow out of this place of revelation of what we have seen the Father do towards us, of how we have seen the Father welcome us when we weren't deserving, how he invited us close when the world kept us at arm's length. When we see God, It compels us then to be that aspect of God that we see to those around us. So first, we want to press into this topic of how in the world do we offer that kind of radical hospitality Jesus was talking about, where we're not looking to be repaid, we're not looking for our own personal pleasure, we're not looking for our own cup to to be filled, but we are practicing hospitality because there is an epidemic of loneliness, but yet there is this God in heaven who is welcoming those who will come to him, how can we lean into that more? Let me just read a couple of verses to remind you, Ramp Church, of just how wanted you are by this incredible God. And how even as Christians, that doesn't mean just because you're a Christ follower, you'll never experience loneliness. That's just a disclaimer, a very important one. Just like when you become a Christian, it's not that you will never suffer here on earth. But when you become a Christ follower... You will continue to have suffering on this earth, but you will also have foretaste of glory. You will have taste of this heavenly divine belonging. You will have taste of this acceptance in Christ, the glory of his welcoming you into his presence and family. And then as you taste and experience the Lord's goodness in this way, it transforms the narrative, the lies of the enemy that you are rejected and unloved. And it gives you the courage then to go out into the world with Christ's love compelling you and welcome those who Christ is welcoming. So let's look at Revelations 3.20. This says in the Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. How beautiful is that? Some of you, maybe your view of God, your view of, of Jesus is very different than the picture that Jesus gives us of himself in this Revelation chapter 3, that Jesus is wanting to come and fellowship with us and be with us as friends. 
Maybe you think of God as just a really cruel taskmaster. Maybe you think of God as somebody that you will just never be able to please. And sometimes religion and the world and our own thinking has deceived us about the character of God. But in his book, he is desperately shouting at us, trying to get us to lean into the truth of who he is. He's saying to us and to humanity that I want you. I want to come in. And isn't it what hospitality, if there's one phrase that hospitality can be summed up in, it is this, it is come inside, come, come close, come in proximity, come into my home, into the private places of my existence, into the sheltered places, the places that the public cannot see, come in. And Jesus is there standing at the door saying, let me in. I want to come in. I want to dwell with you in all of those places of your life. What's incredible about God inviting us in is we are like the crippled, blind, lame, those who are rejected and despised, the rebels, the aliens, the foreigners, the people in the world who, who, who the world even would despise and reject. Our sin, our rebellion, has separated us from the holiness of God. But even in our sin, listen what Isaiah 118 says. God says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So here we have God saying he wants to come in. Here we have God saying, come, even though you're sinful. Then we have Jesus saying in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. So Jesus is inviting the sinners. And then he's inviting those who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He's calling and knocking at the door so he can be friends with us and fellowship with us. Then in Isaiah 55, he says, is anyone thirsty? Come to me. Drink freely from the waters of life. In John 4, Jesus extends this same invitation to a woman at the well. And he says, come and drink from me. Our God is extending this massive invitation to us through Christ. He is wanting to dwell with us. And he is wanting us to dwell with him. He's wanting to give us all access to him in Christ. He's wanting us to give him all access through the Holy Spirit. There's this incredible invitation to follow him, to know him personally, to know him intimately. And even though we are undeserving because of our indifference, our apathy, he pursues us. He extends to us a welcome into his presence. I love how it doesn't just say throughout the New Testament about coming into God's presence. Because of Christ, uh, we don't have to come in fear and condemnation. It says we can actually come boldly into the presence of God as sons and daughters. That we are welcomed there. That because of our faith and our trust in Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, because we trust in him and our faith is in Jesus, We can come assured of God's glad welcome. We are wanted by God. He's not just invited us. He, and Jesus says in John 14, he's prepared a place for us. This is mind-blowing. And it's sad, isn't it, that in spite of everything God has done, so much of the world thinks God is against them, that God doesn't want them. That God isn't interested in them. And the ministry of hospitality that we see throughout scripture 
is one little avenue that through us taking time, through us serving the needs of others, providing a meal or a place for people to rest, or through coffee or conversation, making them feel they matter and they're honored as made in the image of God. Through these little ways of welcome and invitation and celebrating people, that that stigma of God, that God is against, that God is not wanting them, can start to break down. And they can begin to see that, wait a second, God could want me? Isn't it crazy that through even little things like who you eat with and where you sit at a table that the kingdom of God can be tasted, that the kingdom and the goodness and the character of God could be experienced? Young people at your lunch tables in school, it's mind-blowing to think God could use a simple invitation, hey, do you want to sit with us to release a taste of his goodness and his heart? To a lonely person who feels isolated, far from God. Hospitality is not just this. Um, it is like what I just mentioned. It's not this thing that we've got boxed off for women, married people, people with homes. It's the ability to host someone, to serve someone, and minister to their needs. To take the towel and the basin, to feed them food, to bring refreshing to put dignity back on them as a human made in the image of God. And God's heart is to extend an invitation to others through you. That other people, when they encounter your presence or they step in your home, they would feel this divine celebration over their life. Where the world is heaping shame and loneliness and isolation on people. Isn't it incredible to think that people could just step into the realm where you are, the presence that you're carrying, and they could feel somehow like their life may matter? That's That's the power of hosting someone, of serving someone, refreshing someone, being that place of refuge for them. Being that safe place. It says in Psalms 34 that God, he brings, or Psalm 31, how good, how great is the goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you, who lavish on, you lavish it on those who come to you for protection. Listen to this in verse 20. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. What if our homes, what if the places where we work, because we are there, become a place of refuge for people? What if when we show up, there's a place now that's stilled from accusing tongues and there's rest and refreshing? What if kids, when you go to school or adults, when you're in your workplace or when you even come back to your own home, there is a place that you are hosting there that's carrying the presence of God that is extending this feeling, this truth to people. It's this phrase, come to me, come to me, come to me. When you sit down at the lunch table, what if there's this aurora around you that says, come. Instead of what's so common in our culture, get away, stay away. I need more space. I need more me time. I need more of this huge buzz, bubble of isolation around me. We as the people of God are not meant to live in a bubble of isolation. 
And the message that's coming and leaking through our lives is not go away. But the same message that was leaking through Christ, it should be come to me. I have time for you. I have space for you. I'm here to serve you. I'm not looking to be served. I'm here to serve you. It's still incredibly humbling to think that that's the posture Jesus took when he came to dwell among us. That as we see that more deeply for ourselves, how he treated us, we can get it more through us to those around us. You know, I think, I think besides knowing just who God is and that we're commanded to be hospitable without grumbling and to show hospitality from those who are, you know, ministers and traveling through brothers and sisters in Christ to those who are uh, the, re- the rejects of society, the lowest, the least of society. Hospitality is meant to include all of those people. And it's meant to be practiced by all who follow Jesus. But in order to do that, we, we need this revelation of how God has extended this welcome to us. And we need this conviction in us about the importance of obeying God, stepping out in obedience. And sometimes to do that, we have to sort through, what are the hurdles? What's keeping me? In Ramp Churches, I've been praying for us. There are a few things that come to mind. Things that are hindering us from walking in more of this ministry of hospitality. I want to commend you, you home group leaders, those of you who have intentionally through various workplace settings, you have made time and space to invite people in. You have let down walls, you have let go of fear, and you are letting people into your world and serving them there. I want to say, well done. Just as Jesus said in Luke 14, God sees and God will repay you. Even when man, especially when man, does not repay you, God will repay. But in order for us to grow in this ministry of hospitality and release relief from loneliness and isolation, I think there are a few things that I want to challenge us to do. The first thing I want us to do is to search our own hearts and minds for a victim mentality. A victim mindset. When it comes to hospitality, it sounds something like this. It sounds like, well, nobody would want to hang out with me. Nobody would want to come over to my house, and people don't like me, and, and you, are, you are self-consuming and self-sabotaging. And you have to lay that mindset that says the state of your relationships is out of your control, and it's out of your hands, and that you don't have any responsibility. You've got to surrender that to Jesus. You've got to release what you can't control, and then you've got to own what you can control. And you, no matter who you are, you have something to give and to offer people. A victim mentality is so focused on all the injustice done to you that you miss an opportunity for releasing the justice and the ministry of Christ through you. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, You have more than enough to give. And the needs around you need that Holy Spirit in you. So you've got to search search our minds, Holy Spirit. And where there's this victim mentality of saying, woe is me, the self-pity. Well, people don't like me and people reject me. People will you reject you. People rejected Jesus. Not everybody's going to like you. You can't control that. You're only responsible for your heart and action towards others. So let's search for that victim mindset and let's lay it at the foot of the cross. Then let's relinquish fear. I think sometimes what keeps myself or, um, from you is, is 
from reaching out to others, letting people in, inviting people in, is fear. We fear lack. We fear rejection. We fear we won't have enough energy. We'll be drained. Come on, fear of burnout is just as serious as fear of lack and all these other fears. We can't let fear dictate our life in any way. And sometimes you have to just do things afraid. You have to do it afraid so that you can learn that it's empty places that God fills. It's weak places that God brings strength to. It's dry places that he pours fresh water on. So we can't fear lack. We can't fear burnout. We can't fear exhaustion. We have boundaries, of course. Boundaries enable us to serve and love well. But we've got to let go of fear. What if they don't like me? What if they... Again, you're not responsible for what people think. You're responsible for your own heart and your actions and your obedience. I love what Rosaria Butterfield says. This is another thing that I think we need to search our hearts for. It's just excuses. We, we give excuses, lame excuses. I can't practice hospitality because I don't have a home. I can't practice hospitality because I don't have a wife. I can't practice hospitality because all these different things. There is never, when God tells us and commands us to do something in Scripture, he provides the grace and the ability to do it. He always does. He never leaves us alone in our obedience. We always have the divine helper. And some of you, your excuse for, um, for not letting people in and welcoming people into your world, into your spaces and serving them there, is you think, well, I'm an introvert. I need lots of time. And, and everybody has to have time alone. I get that. But we're also meant to live this broken and open life towards others. Rosaria Butterfield, she wrote The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which is an incredible book on hospitality. She said, knowing your personality and your sensitivities does not excuse you from ministry. It means that you need to prepare for it differently than others might. So just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you can never invite people or do things with people. It just means... Maybe your boundaries are a bit different. Maybe there's a bit more preparation, a bit infilling before you do the outpouring. But every one of you is meant to, in, in, to enjoy and experience the supernatural work of God when you step out in obedience to his written word. Oh, and then another terribly painful excuse or obstacle that we have in living lives that are really genuinely, consistently open to others, inviting people in to serve them, is we, we always tend to default towards self-centeredness. This is the old nature. This is the, the old man that Paul says we intentionally, daily, we put off the old man, we put on the new man. It's being renewed in its attitudes and behaviors. So we, we, we have to resist continually, daily, as Jesus said, take up our cross, deny ourself, Obey and then experience the reward, the infilling, the supernatural sustaining power of the Spirit working with us in our obedience. The default will be, of course, we're not going to be hospitable. But we are going upstream the lives that we live. Now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent the kingdom of God here and now. I love how it says in John, I'm not uh, in Revelation where John the Apostle says, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Ah, and through Jesus, now there is an open door for those who want to come to Christ. 
And our lives of hospitality, what does that mean? It means people encounter an open door when they encounter us. Not a hand in the face, not a comeback later, not a, but a welcome. And when we are in this space of hospitality, we are able by the power of the Holy Spirit to serve, to see them, to tune into their needs and meet those needs. So what promises does God give us in closing regarding this ministry of hospitality? Well, he gives us the promise of divine concealment. This is in Hebrews 13 and Matthew 25 where we, Joe has talked about this before, where Jesus is concealed. He has concealed himself in our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's concealed himself in the poor, the naked, the prisoner, the hungry, as he says in Matthew 25. As he says in Matthew 10, he says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. I've told our home group leaders before, I said, tonight Jesus is coming to your house and Jesus is tired and he needs ministry. He needs refreshing. He needs refueling. He needs to laugh. He needs to cry. He's coming to your house group and his, his image is going to be the church brother or sister that you see on any given day. He's concealed himself in us. And as we treat other people, that's how we are treating him. So we have this promise of divine concealment. How is that promise? That means that in hospitality, we have this opportunity to serve Jesus, to welcome Jesus, to invite him in, to minister to his needs. That is glorious. We also have the promise of divine repayment. We're in Luke 14. He promises, he says, Jesus says, then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. The Lord sees every hidden sacrifice. The Bible's pretty clear. We can get our reward from man, our praise from man, or our reward from him. And everything that you do for Christ, God sees and will reward. That's mind-blowing this promise of divine repayment. Then we have a promise of divine desire. In Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. As you step out in obedience, God gets to work on the inside of you, giving you desire. Sometimes it doesn't happen before. Sometimes desire doesn't come until you step out in obedience. And as you're obeying, your desire is being sanctified and filled afresh with the desire the Father has. So we have the promise of divine concealment in our hospitality. We have the promise of divine repayment as we practice hospitality. We have the promise of divine desire, God working in us, giving us desire for the poor and the broken and the needy. We have the promise of divine refreshing. We're in Isaiah 58 and all throughout scripture for sake of time. I won't read them all, where God promises to replenish the dry places and strengthen the weak places and fill the empty places. We can rest assured knowing that the God who fills all and is the source of all will be there to meet us when we're empty, when we feel dry, when we need refilling. This 
promise of divine refreshing and refilling. So Ramp Church, what can we do to combat the loneliness and bring this welcome into God's kingdom to those around us? It's as simple as where you sit and who you invite, but it does take time and intentionality. We have to create space. I think busyness is one of the biggest excuses in this city. And I know that. I have to fight that as well. It takes intentionality to have relationships. Relationships don't just come knocking on your door. Things don't just, you, you go after them. You pursue them. You seek. You ask. You knock. You go after what God has told you to. Stop waiting for it to be delivered to you on a silver platter. You do what Jesus says in Matthew 7. You do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. In your loneliness, do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. You be that person to initiate. Who can you call this week? What elderly person can you call this week? What young person can you invite or say hello to or give a smile to and just have a sense of you're wanted come through you? Is there someone that you can listen to? Can we as a church community, can we practice this cultural humility with each other? Where when we come together, we're doing less talking and teaching about all of the things we know and more listening and learning. Can we do more serving and hosting? Can we let the Spirit of God send through us this invitation to our city that says, come in. You are wanted. You are celebrated. Could we take some of our free time and use some of our extra to create spaces of refuge for people, of relief, of rest? Can we do that not just for the broken, but for the people that we live with in our own homes? Isaiah 58 says, yes, it's the oppressed, it's the bound, it's the naked, it's the hungry, but it's also the relatives living in your own home. Wives and husbands, can you host and welcome and celebrate each other when you come into the house? Can you create a home that is a place of refuge from accusing tongues? Can we stop the accusing tongues in the houses? And can we release this celebration of each other? This welcome for each other? Can we stop the gossiping and the harsh words? And in in our spaces of work and school, can we create this dialogue that says to those around us, you are made in the image of God, therefore you are worth my time. You are made in the image of God, therefore you are worth dignity of being served. To those high and low, all of the above. To those who have blessed you, can you invite them in and say thank you? For those who've rejected you and despised you, can you let them know that somebody, a God in heaven, wants them in spite of their sin and dysfunction? I think one thing that we need to do in order to continue into this revelation is not just hold on these promises, but be reminded and have this deeply embedded belief in us, Ramp Church, that we are not our own. And our homes are not our own. And our work breaks and our free time and our extra income is not our own. We are twice owed to Jesus. Once because he created us. Two, because he redeemed us and bought us back. There is nothing that you possess that he cannot use for his mission and his purposes to reach those around you and to refresh your own heart and soul in it.
while doing the outpouring. He'll be doing the infilling. Let's just create a space all over this city right now in our hearts to pray together in closing. And I know from my own experience and my own journey, sometimes the work of sanctification in us, of becoming like Christ, it's it sometimes feel like the gap of where you are and where you feel the Lord has called you to be and things like this is light years. But it's not that far because God is working in you step by step, enlarging your heart. He's working in us. We're in a process of sanctification. We're in a process of setting apart all we have to be fully given to him. And you need to be patient with yourself because God is patient with you. And you need to be kind to yourself because he's kind to you. And you don't need to give up on yourself and feel ashamed and condemned because he's not given up on you. And he believes that everything that he's called you to be in representing Christ, from the place you sit at the table to who you invite, that every single part of who he's called you to be, he's confident he can bring that about in your life because he's not left you on your own to do it. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit in closing to again be our divine helper this week, to enlarge our hearts and homes, to cleanse the atmosphere of our homes, the spaces we live in, and create portals of belonging, portals of honor and dignity where people can sense that God has indeed made them, that God does indeed want them. And Holy Spirit, we do. We just thank you for the time and space, and we ask for help. We call upon you, Holy Spirit. Help us to see you more clearly and to do all that we see you doing towards us, to love as you have loved us. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us, for welcoming us into your presence, for inviting us when we were unlovely and unkind and ungrateful. And help us to live a life, Lord, where we reflect all that you have done for us to others that we can touch others' lives just as you have touched our life. We love you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You are blessed. We will see you throughout the week and can't wait to hear stories of how God is using your hospitality to refresh a weary, lonely world around you.